Hello everyone, this is Sake with another episode of Cricket with an Absent Accent uh, brought to you by, we don't have a sponsor so no one is bringing <laughs> it, but uh, we have a couple of very knowledgeable guests, uh, you know, it's midnight in India, actually 12.30, uh, Sanket Singhbal, who's becoming a perennial, you know, powerhouse analyst of this podcast is back from Goa and uh, Sharon Mavidipuri returns uh, from New Delhi. Welcome guys. Thanks for doing this on such a short notice. Thanks a lot for that introduction, Sakib. You're flattering me. <laughs> I'm getting better at introduction and asking questions because I, I'm afraid to give opinions anymore. So let's stick to, let's stick to you know, you know, let's stick with some intent and in what we are good at. Right. Sanket, I'm going to put you in the spot right away because uh, you follow more cricket than most of us. So Sri Lanka, Bangladesh just ended in a run-fest draw. So what is your commentary? You know, if you have to just handicap the test match in few lines, what went on there and, and is Bangladesh becoming a powerhouse? Well, uh, I would say they are definitely a very improving test side at home. Uh, they've won tests against uh, Australia and England over the last couple of years. They've drawn the series at home against them. Uh, they even drew a series against Sri Lanka uh, last year. I believe that was in Sri Lanka, in fact. So, but yeah, I don't think you can really read too much into this test. But I think this test was, uh, to be very honest, and I, I'll put it in extremely polite and mild words, this test was pitch, uh, played on a pitch that was nothing short of an absolute disgrace test cricket because it was an absolute highway. There were like, like something like 1,350 runs scored for the loss of what 24, 25 wickets over the course of five days. This is this is these are the type of test matches that you know really drive people away from test cricket and uh, Mominul Haq becoming the first Bangladeshi batsman to score hundreds in uh, both the innings of a test. Obviously great to have a personal accomplishment and all but uh, this is not the type of test, uh, test cricket that I would like to see too often. Sure, this is not a good advertisement. I, I'm 100% with you when you know it becomes such a batting friendly environment but in terms of power rankings of Asian teams at home, uh, where does Bangladesh rank right now? Because Pakistan doesn't really play at home, so I don't know if it's fair to include them in the list. But between India, Sri Lanka, and Bangladesh, is Bangladesh the number two side in Asia? I right think now? you can include Pakistan at home uh, because they have been playing in the UAE for the last eight years now, and it's pr- pretty much become a home away from home for them. And uh, they've just lost only one series in the last eight years. So, yeah, I- I'd still have Pakistan at number two as far as Test cricket is concerned, even though they lost the last series to Sri Lanka. But I still think there is some young talent coming there. Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. I don't think there's a lot to choose. I think Bangladesh are definitely the better limited over side as compared to Sri Lanka. And they probably have better young prospects coming through. But as long as, say, someone like Rangana Hirat is around, I wouldn't quite put Bangladesh above Sri Lanka in test cricket just yet. But I don't think there's much to choose. Uh, but Sri Lanka do have some young, good young batsmen coming through. I think the problem for them will be probably with replacing Herat. Actually, Sakeb, I'd like to ask you a question on Herat. I don't know if you've uh, read the Sanjay Majekar piece on whether or not Herat is a great bowler. Like you just say, amount of wickets alone doesn't make someone great. And Herat's bowling is is at best good because he doesn't really impart too much spin and he's got like a tight line length, but he's not really a threat and the Indian batsmen played him pretty easily when we've toured. So what is your take on that? I'm curious to know what you think. Alright, yeah. I think it depends on your definition of a great bowler because, I mean, if, you, if you're comparing Herat to say someone like a Shane Vaughan or a Muthaya Muralidharan or even someone like Anil Kumble um, or Abdul Qadir or some of, the, of those types, then he probably falls short. But I mean, in the in the modern era, I mean, comparing him to someone like uh, Daniel Vittori, Arbhajan Singh, Graham Swan, and obviously more recently the likes of Ashwin, Jadeja, Nathan Lyon, then I think Rangana here actually comes out quite favorably in this list. And uh, he, I mean, he's got 400 Test wickets. He's he's won them a Test in South Africa, which even Muralidharan couldn't do. And he's, he's that that's the only Test they won in South Africa till date. He's got a very good record in Australia as well. 
is played a decent uh, sort of supporting role in a test series win in England. Hasn't quite done well against India, which is probably what is influencing Manjrekar's opinion. And but but that happens. I mean, even Shane Warne didn't have a great record against India, so I don't think you can be too critical of him based on his failures against one opposition. He's done really well against Pakistan as well, and that uh, Pakistan had some really good players of spin bowling, the likes of Yunus, uh, Mohammad Yusuf, Yunus uh, Khan, Masbah uh, Ulak. So I think he's a really good bowler. Uh, whether he's an all-time great or not, I think that depends on whom you're comparing him with. But I think he's definitely one probably. Uh, uh, in the top five that I have seen over the last, what, 17 years uh, of Test cricket. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, Manjrekar is known to give opinions. He's not uh, currently shy either of, uh, you know, putting it out there, which is sometimes, you know, making for a very good conversation for even us, uh, you know, fans. Uh, so let's progress into this podcast because there's a lot of other cricket being played. Uh, you both, uh, you know, we all know it's old news. India won against Australia. There's a lot of, uh, you know, young batting talent and a young fast bowler also. And, you know, the era we live in, we are, you know, in any sport, we have to compare, you know, either with the legends or the current. So, obviously, Shaw versus uh, Shaw versus Gill comparisons have started. So, if you guys want to take a shot at it, who has impressed more? Uh, Sankir, you want to go first? Yeah, I think uh, that, I think, based on what I saw in the Under-19 World Cup, I think Gill definitely looked the more complete player. He's technically quite compact. He's very wristy and a very typical subcontinental kind of player. There was a video on YouTube that was posted by someone and I think there was a one-minute clip comparing some of three or four of Virat Kohli's shots that he's played in his international career to the kind of shots that Shubham Gill played in the Under-19 World Cup. And my God, the comparisons are real. And uh, obviously, uh, I mean, you can't read too much uh, into under-19 cricket. Uh, so I guess, I mean, uh, you will probably have to wait for them to play first-class cricket. Prithvi Shaw, I think that, that is where Prithvi Shaw is ahead of Shobhman Gill uh, uh, in the sense that uh, he's played one full season of first-class cricket and is probably slightly more established in that department. Gill has played just two first-class matches so far. But technically speaking, and based on what I saw in the under-19 World Cup, Gill was the one who impressed me more. But uh, if you're going to talk about his future prospects and whether he can make it an Indian side, uh, I'm sure he will. But uh, he'll, he'll probably be better off, better off waiting for one good first-class season before uh, any thoughts of him being introduced into the national setup are entertained. In fact, I want to say a quick uh, point on uh, Prithvi Shaw himself. I think that uh, watching the Ranji season this time, uh, Prithvi Shaw actually looked very good in some of the matches. Even in the Under-19 World Cup, he got a few starts uh, and he was ninth on the total number of runs scored in the list of top scorers. He didn't do badly, but uh, I guess he didn't play to potential. I think he played much better in some of the Ranji games than he did in the World Cup itself. So I guess we'll have to wait on him too a little bit before we make a call on how good he is. I think he did well. I think he did well. I think the problem that I see with him a little bit is uh, when it comes to his technique, is I think his back foot back foot doesn't quite move as much as it should. And I think that might cause him problems when the ball is moving around a little bit. I think it reminds me a little bit of Virendra Sehwag and Shikhar Dhawan in that sense. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, in terms of technique, obviously, we'll have to see whether he can replicate the uh, sort of career Sehwag had at international level. And uh, yeah, so that, that's there. For, that's something for him to work upon because I think that weakness was exploited by Vinay Kumar in the Ranji games. And you saw him struggling a little bit with that in the Under-19 World Cup as well. So yeah, definitely. Definitely something to work upon. I wouldn't say he's the finished article, but yeah, his numbers at the under 19 level uh, speak for themselves. So he's definitely got the talent, and if he can work on his technique, then I'm sure he, he can be a really good player. It's funny, Sanjeev, uh, you said that because Anand mentioned Shaw a few months ago, and he said there are shades of Tendulkar. And then I was hanging out with a friend yesterday, 
you know, who's followed the Ranji scene a lot. And he said, uh, Tower reminds him of SS Das. I mean, that's like kind of very, <laughs> this is a, it's like very vague, you know, opinions I'm getting. You know, one is Tendulkar and obviously I rely on the, you know, uh, opinions a lot. But then this guy, you know, my other friend who I was with knows his cricket too. So, uh, anyway, let's keep a, uh, you know, tab on, uh, tag on these guys' progress and see, you know, how they uh, come good. And uh, one more question again, uh, for both of you can take. Uh, there's this narrative on Twitter, you know, people tend to like make, you know, solid opinions out of nothing. And I'm a big Rahul Dravid fan, but he's definitely not is unsung by any means. I, I, I get it, like he's not maybe the star material or the star power Tendulkar and Kohli and Dhoni have enjoyed, but Dravid has his own space in this ecosystem. So, do you guys see him as unsung? I don't. <laughs> Who can go? Can go? This is one of the you know one of the most contentious topics of discussion on Twitter, and you see a lot of Tendulkar fans mocking Dravid for being you know mockingly calling him unsung and all that sort of stuff. I don't really agree with that because uh, it is not the player who has really given himself this narrative that is something that is caused by his fans so, so yeah I don't think he's unsung by any means probably during his career you got the impression that he perhaps didn't quite uh, get the same accolades that as, as Tendulkar but uh, he was also perhaps not quite on the same level as Tendulkar either as a batsman he was he was very good but he's probably in the next next level to Tendulkar so yeah, I think he's definitely got his fair share of credit, especially after his retirement. And now with him um, having coached the under-19 side to a World Cup victory, he's, he's, he's definitely getting his due share of credit uh, for the win as well. So definitely, I, I don't think he's unsung by any means. Yeah, in fact, I'd like to just make a point that I think some of the commentary has also been on Dravid's uh, uh, choosing to be the coach of the under-19 side as opposed to doing the more glamorous roles of commentary or coach of the Indian side. And therefore, that could be to that email him being modest and low-profile, all of which he is. There's no doubt about it. And he kind of did not see a joy. Even today, there was a piece in the Indian Express by Sriram Vira that argues that, uh, that he didn't really see the joy in being a commentator, traveling around the world. He didn't find it invigorating or interesting and he didn't feel like he was contributing to the game of cricket. So, in those... Uh, instances, and if you look at those aspects of Dravid's personality, he's definitely uh, someone who's more prone to being a little more low-profile than the others, and that may give you an impression of him being unsung. But I definitely agree with Sanket that I do not think uh, he didn't get the accolades he deserved. He almost fully got it. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the narrative, and you know, like I'm a big fan, and definitely I have some issues how Dravid sometimes is treated, but this is definitely not one of them. And I think he gets fair accolades, and he's a legend. His name is always next to Tendulkar, which is, you know, never a shame. He's right up there. So, uh, and, uh, you know, talking about, uh, we talked about some of the young Indian talent. Sanket, is, is there someone on the horizon in the Australian uh, under-19 team that we should be all aware of or someone on the domestic scene that, you know, we might see in the ne- next few years uh, to break into the international? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. since you mentioned the domestic circuit, I, I, I was actually a bit surprised to see, not to see, Mackenzie Harvey, who is the nephew of former Australian all-rounder Ian Harvey, uh, not in the under-19 squad, because he's someone who is only 16 years old and he has taken age group cricket by storms in Australia. And he was picked for the uh, what uh, the limited overs warm-up match against the touring English side and he scored a half-century. And this is the same English side that actually went on to beat the uh, senior Australian side 4-1 in the ODI series. And he, he was smashing the likes of Chris Wokes and Mark Wood all around the park in the in that warm-up match. So I'm surprised to see a 16-year-old prodigy is not getting a go in the 19 World Cup. Maybe 
maybe he'll get a chance next time around and he, and he even got a BBL contract with the Melbourne Renegades so he's definitely someone to watch out for uh, in this under 19 world cup i would say i mean i was a little bit disappointed especially due to the lack of fast bowling talents i mean the batting was all right uh, jason sanga who scored of 100 in the first class warm up warm up match against the touring english side uh, he is the captain and uh, he did all right didn't quite take the tournament by storm like say uh, shubman gill did but he looked all right and i think he's a good prospect going forward uh, obviously a lot depends on how he goes in first class cricket next season i'm hoping that he can break into the new south wales side very soon jack edwards the opener he also looked pretty decent so yeah none no no standouts like a gill perhaps but there are some decent batsmen coming through the big issue for me is the lack of fast bowlers in india having better fast bowlers than australia at the under 19 level i think that is something to worry about as far as i am concerned being an australian fan so that was a little bit disappointing hmm and i was talking in the same india pakistan match with sabi you know who's also you know you both have met him and uh, even on the podcast he was saying this guy is shaheen i think in pakistan he said He, that that's a very promising left arm pace bowler they have very smooth action and i think he's uh, definitely ready for the next step uh, not sure sanket or sharan you guys had a glimpse of shaheen but uh, if you did what are your opinions I didn't see a lot i think uh, whatever i saw he seems to come across as a, a genuine swing bowler bowls at a decent pace obviously uh, i've heard wasim akram comparing him uh, to himself although wasim akram has said that for a lot of players now so I, i'm really not too sure how seriously you can read into it but yeah he seems to be a good prospect uh, uh, yeah but we'll see how it goes i mean uh, too early to comment anything based on under 19 world cup i don't think he was the standout in the same way that say uh, shubman gill or uh, nagar koti was but he looked good let's see okay all right guys i think we've covered quite a few topics and now let's talk about you know what the most uh, the listeners in this podcast and even you know i'm sure we are excited to talk about india south africa uh, when india store started there were a lot of speculations but uh, no one envisioned the 201 day start of course ab devil is missing both and dale stain not part of them and now faf to plessy but india commanding a very convincing 20 lead so far uh is that something uh, that was expected in your minds and will this trend continue for the rest of the series sharan you can go first well at the beginning of the series i thought it will be 60 40 india i think it has has a very good one day side because the tracks in general are flat across the world with some here and there india seem to do very well we have a strong batting lineup and kohli given the form he is in hey, you put any total in front of him will chase it down for you uh bowling with the two wrist spinners is always a bonus even though it's south africa we also had the fast bowlers to back the two wrist spinners up so i think they have a pretty good complete side i actually expected hardik pandya to play a bit bigger role I think he's kind of fallen a little short, but overall, yeah, I, I think even the fact that South Africa had a couple of injuries uh, that made the 60-40 a little more uh, like 70-30 in favor of India. But yeah, Tula, great start, somewhat unexpected for me, especially the second one-day international. Yeah, I think uh, I mean uh, at the start of the series, I mean, assuming South Africa had a full strength side and assuming they prepared typical South African wickets, probably not as quite as seem friendly as the ones that we saw in the Test matches, but uh, probably ones with a bit more pace and bounce. I, I would have expected South Africa to prevail with a full strength side with the likes of A. B. De Villiers and Faf Duplessis in the ranks. But uh, I mean, what we have seen so far. Both the pitches have been slow, low, subcontinental turners with Indian wrist spinners wreaking havoc, and uh, it is true that in the absence of De Villiers and Duplessis, and with Hashim Amla not quite, you know, getting past the new ball and not quite uh, staying in the uh, in the middle overs to tackle the spinners, the rest of the South African batting lineup is extremely vulnerable to quality spin. Uh, not just quality spin, I think they struggle even against uh, average spinners. Someone like Moin Ali uh, troubled them on. 
fairly green seem friendly english wickets in 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 the test matches last summer and th- th- this time around you had two really good indian wrist spinners operating on pitches that were actually gripping and turning a bit on the slower side a bit too paced so i think that was pretty much the perfect storm against the south africans injuries to key players and pitches suiting india so definitely uh, based on the uh, pitches that we have seen I- i'm not surprised by how things have transpired So actually, I have a question for you. I, uh, if you've been following the matches, what do you think of the two spinners, Chael and Kuldeep Yadav? Did you actually expect them to be this good? And do you have a favorite amongst the two? Yeah. So I mean, uh, regarding the spinners, I think I expected them to do better than Ashwin and Jadeja because wrist spinners generally tend to do better outside the subcontinent. And, and Ashwin and Chael in particular is is quick through the air, and those are the type of spinners that you need. Uh, outside the subcontinent kuldeep yadav i think he is a very good prospect i think he should be in the test side as well i've been calling for it for quite some time now and he probably could bowl a little bit quicker i think he has improved that as compared to say he was a year ago and being a, a chinaman left arm wrist spinner is one of the rarities in cricket and he is someone who can be very difficult to pick especially for the uh, left handers as well as the right handers because uh, uh, he is someone who bowls at a very awkward angle and uh, yeah the south african middle order has been absolutely bamboozled by both no i was just saying uh, when last time we toured there under dhoni uh, how did we do in the one days because if we do end up winning it this i think uh, it's a very good feat for kohli and when because south africa has never been a hunting ground beat uh, white ball or red ball cricket except the 2003 world cup uh, we did very well then the 2003 world cup yeah world cup is you know it's a tournament you know you have a way of you, you don't play the same opposition so even though it's a big fest you adjust against different teams right. because uh, one day series you know against the same team is like playing an nba final or something or nba series best of 7 because you do get figure out you you see the same patterns of players the pitches for bilateral series generally tend to be a lot more in favor of the opposition uh, in in favor of the home side as compared to pitches for the icc tournaments because they generally tend to be on the flatter side as uh, the icc obviously wants high scoring matches and uh, there are standardized instructions to the curators to you know prepare flat pitches and all uh, the, i think if if you're going to compare this side to the last time they toured under dhoni they lost 2-0 and the third odi which they i, I think they would have almost certainly lost because they had conceded like over 320 on the board uh so yeah obviously they've done better far better uh, right now but i think you also have to take into account the pitches the last time around they played they played on a, on a really fast and bouncy surface at johannesburg uh, uh on on a pitch that was perhaps even more seem friendly than the one they had for the test in 2013 not the not the 2018 test but definitely more seem friendly than the 2013 test there uh, and um, they had dale stein at uh, bowling at his peak um, bernan flander money mokel was also a bit quicker than he is now so they had a really good pace attack and south africa batted first and posted big totals on the board and india never could never quite got back into the match this time around they've been playing on slow low turners with ab de villiers missing us uh, faf duplessy missing hashim amla not in great form quinton de cock struggling the pitches assisting spin bowling so yeah thank you thank you you have to still give india to give india credit because besides virat kohli you know the scars of the test uh, test match were still fresh only ajinkya rahane uh, scored in that uh, last test and pujara got a 50 and pujara is already back in india so we have to give credit to this uh, because you know you lost to the same team and uh, you don't have a great history here so how important was rahane's 79 as number 4 uh, do you think is that uh, are we making a big deal out of it because we know we he plays well when the ball is coming on to the bat 
and Kohli was the main show. He played a solid anchor on the other end. But uh, what do you make of Rahane? And uh, you think this is a good slot for him going forward? I know it's only one match we can take as a sample size, but is this something with World Cup in England? Is this something we can build upon, or it's too early? Yeah, firstly, regarding your question about not giving enough credit, uh, that was not my intention. I was just trying to give some pers- perspective on the differences between the 2013 series as, as compared to now. Now, coming coming to your question about Rahane, uh, yeah, as you said last, uh, I think it's too early because, uh, I mean, just one game and the target was on the lower side. I mean, uh, I know it's uh, 270, but 270 is not a big deal uh, in in this day and age and the pitch was awesome. Uh, they had a fairly decent start with Dhawan and Rohit getting, getting them off to a flyer and then Virat Kohli took over. Rahane, I think for his first 50-odd deliveries, uh, had a strike rate of uh, in the in the 70s, like 30-odd runs. And uh, he then picked up later on uh, when, uh, you know, the result was pretty much... Um, uh, guaranteed and uh, then he, I think the pressure was off him and then he just played his natural game and played his shots and took his chances so uh, I'm not too sure you can read too much into this one innings because Rohani has been given a lot of opportunities at number 4 in the past and hasn't quite grabbed them so I would have to wait and see whether there is any considerable improvement in his in his batting with regards to the power hitting which you definitely need from a number 4 batsman in ODI cricket as well as a strike rotation before uh, uh, you you know uh, nail him in nail him in for the World Cup because the pitches in England are definitely going to be the flatter and you're definitely going to see scores higher than the ones that you have seen in the first couple of ODIs. Hmm. Uh, Sharon, do you view the Rahane scenario any differently? Or you have some input uh, if he's your number four or you want to at least back him up for a few more, few more games? I actually think uh, that with Dhani batting at number four, the other problem we have is that Dhoni has to play five and he can't play lower because I don't think Dhoni any longer has the striking abilities of a number six or a seven. So that's why I'm a little worried about this Rahane playing at four also because I don't. I agree completely with Sanket that it's just one match. I also think the general public and especially the commentators have a slight bias towards Rahane because he's such a gentleman and so they always want to see him do well. But uh, my own feeling about Rahane is that Let's just wait and watch a little bit. But if he does do well, he has best likely quicker. And uh, otherwise, I think Dhoni at four may not be a bad idea. Yeah. I... Can I come in? Yeah. I think the part okay. is... Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the po- regarding the point that Sharan made about the commentators having a bias for Rahane, I think it's not just the commentators. I think that there seems to be that general perception amongst the Indian public. And I don't think it's because Rahane is a gentleman as such. I think there is that feeling that because it's English conditions, it's uh, the ball seems around and the matches are going to be low scoring and the ball is going to seem around all, seem all around the pace, place and all that. And despite having covered the last couple of champions trophies on fl- fairly flat surfaces, it really baffles me that people continue to you know promote such stereotypical thinking because Test match cricket in England and ODI cricket are completely different ball games and you, you can see that in the home team uh, themselves they have completely different uh, teams for the limited overs format and uh, and the and the Test format. So. I think the conditions for the World Cup are going to be on the flatter side. So, if you're picking a team with with typical English conditions yeah. in mind, then I think you're getting it wrong. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Great. No, no, great point. Yeah. yeah, and even Test cricket. No, no, I think you made a very good point, Sanket, uh, because uh, conditions in England vary. Even uh, Test cricket in May is dif- more difficult than playing in July and August. So, with that regard, let me ask you both a question. You both touched upon some very good and sensitive uh, points, which are part of, I think, overall cricket narrative of a fan these days. And 
by casual fan i don't uh, because i'll put myself as a casual test fan i follow a lot but sometimes i don't have all the answers so if i'm a casual fan or a very die hard india fan with these two one day wins do i get confused with the recent test cricket failures and since i'm happy that we won the dead rubber because white ball is very different than red ball plus all the you know dynamics of test cricket you know you can't hide in test cricket you can set fields you know you can go after same batsman all day long in one day cricket you know you can be on the other end or you can come after you know few overs later because you know the things change very differently in one day cricket so if i'm an indian fan sanket you go first uh do i conveniently forget what happened and think okay we were that close of winning the test series or there's still a big gap in the two sides as far as test cricket was concerned well i think that depends on uh, how, how whether you're positive or whether you're an optimist or a pessimist i guess uh, they definitely had their chances in the two test matches that they lost and uh, but ultimately i think you'd have to say that the uh, losing margins in low scoring matches were fairly on the higher side so but uh, the one thing that i'd like to point out is that i think uh, south africa was probably the best chance of overseas success on this leg because south africa are a side in transition they have a, uh, a slightly weakened batting lineup even though they have big names but they are pretty much towards the end of their careers and are not quite the same forces that they were 4 years ago whereas australia uh, they are are young side and the pitches are going to be much flatter in australia so the bowlers are definitely going to have their work cut out taking 20 wickets because even the likes of james anderson and stuart broad struggled in australia and in england the bowlers might do all right although i think the english batting lineup is once again much better than south africa because they have a lot of depth in their batting lineup they've got chris wokes who i think could bat at number 6 for most test sites he, they have them they have him batting at 8 uh, or 9 so england and australia i definitely see them as tougher challenges than south africa so if i were an indian fan and i'm not but i would definitely be disappointed at their uh, inability to you know seize the opportunities in south africa because this was probably their best chance ever of winning there or winning a overseas uh, winning a series on this overseas leg england and australia are definitely going to be a lot tougher in my opinion okay fair, fair enough so uh, sharan uh you know a lot of uh, fans are saying even though full credit to india for mm-hmm. winning the last test match but it was such a lottery wicket and now icc rightfully has reprimanded you know uh that pitch so you think the pitch had a role if it was a pitch that we had seen in the first two tests the result would have been different i don't want to take anything away from india but at the same time as a fan i rather don't want to live in a false world i mean kohli is class apart you know he he was batting always on a different surface but uh, what are your takeaways uh, that you know indian test team can uh, take from this last test or is it an inflated stat we should not you know take this as a, a yardstick at all so i agree completely with you that the pitch in the last test was very different so now let's assume that we had a very similar pitch i think we did reasonably well in the first two test matches we didn't capitalize at key moments but overall other than the batting falling apart somewhat the sections being somewhat iffy and kind of perplexing especially bhuvneshwar kumar i i cannot believe we dropped him uh, i thought that overall we actually did run them close and Every test match, there were points where you felt that, hey, you know what, we could just win this. Uh, and it's not only in the match, but sometimes even at some of the later stages. So I feel like, given those things, the third test match could have still been 50-50 uh, and, uh, with, with a very similar pace of the first and the second. That being said, uh, I think Kohli, mate, uh, Kohli and Shastri have some explaining to do with respect to the selections. And uh, I really want to know what the thinking is on that front. No, that's, that's brilliant. that was that was one of the questions uh, uh, that in this podcast where which we wanted to like you know get everybody's view uh, shastri has just come and and again made you know some very shastri like comment that sharma was even batting better in nets he was averaging 200 against sri lanka i mean you know this is 
these are some like you know some golden moments virat kohli would never be caught dead well, yes. you know he said same thing but he didn't go that far so shastri just like a guy with a fire extinguisher he'll come at the crime scene and just you know you know make a typical sol kind of appearance and just say hey you know it is what it is and hame must khelna hai kadoos khelna hai and you know rohit is this rohit is that i mean on, people are intelligent i mean and then rahane comes and scores 48 and i fully agree this is the second part of the question that rahane gets glorified because a lot of time you know some media people fight for him that's that's very true i feel that but are we not giving him enough credit to because that's a session kohli has been talking about session changing game with sharma yet, has yet to play but rahane change uh, because besides kohli we needed another man to raise his hand and rahane batted for his 48 and really justified that return to the indian side so sanket you can go first Yeah, regarding Ravi Shastri's comments, I mean, I, 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 it beggars belief, really, to see a coach of the national side, you know, giving such rubbish uh, explanations. I'm trying to use extremely polite words here. So, yeah, I mean, coming to Rahani, I think, yes, I, I said in the last episode that I think his omission for the first couple of test matches was kind of justified based on his form against Sri Lanka and. The, year that he had struggling against England as well so yeah to a certain extent i can see that but i mean rohit sharma's performances once again you have to put a, put them into perspective so suggest that he averaged 200 against sri lanka which i don't think he did but even if that is true then i think that's quite uh, uh, i mean lazy statement to make because i mean look at the situations that rohit sharma came out to bat in he came in to bat at 400 for 4 or 500 for 3 or something like that against sri lanka and it, it just it, it, it was it was very much a limited overs kind of a situation where he just had to go out there and score runs quickly and the bowlers were not bowlers were just you know more intent on trying to get the team to declare faster than trying to get them out because they were already well out of the contest so uh, he was hardly def- tested and as far as his defensive technique is concerned so yeah i don't think you can read anything into rohit sharma's innings against sri lanka but yeah uh, i think dropping rahani for the first couple of test matches uh, was perhaps a fair call but uh, in hindsight i think they've been proven wrong and he played a brilliant innings at johannesburg and I- no no but Before the series started, Sanket, you were okay for Rahane to be or Sharma to be at six with no Pandya, but now Pandya scored that 93, uh, and even Panikkar said that uh, this is something uh, the jury is still out. And Pandya was sought, you know, in his first series after that score of 93, he was, you know, pretty much sought as a batsman. So you think maybe even the uh, Pandya just scored that 93, uh, Kohli missed a trick. Both Sharma and uh, Rahane should have been part of the 11. Now I know it's it's like a total post mortem, but do we want to take that route? Yeah, well, I, at the start of the series, I did have six batsmen in my eleven because I've always, I am always a believer in having six batsmen in Test match cricket, so, unless the pitch is really flat or unless you have an all-rounder of the quality of someone like a Ben Stokes today. I don't think there's anyone else in world cricket of that quality right now to you know warrant playing five bowlers unless the pitch is really, really flat. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely would have had them both in the side. But I mean, looking at hmm. how things transpired, I don't think Rohit Sharma would have necessarily been an improvement with the bat over Hardik so, Pandya. So you might as well have had Pandya's extra overs. Uh, Rahane, obviously, I mean, now that we are talking in hindsight, Rahane should have played in the first couple of Test matches. Although I will admit that that's not how I felt at the start of the series. I would have picked him, but I don't think he was. Perhaps he would have made as much of a difference as people were saying. But uh, his performance in the third Test has kind of proven me wrong as well. Uh, so yeah, I think this should give them, you know, uh, a bit of a lesson that Rahane's performances at home. I mean. 
perhaps is not quite as as good a player of spin as someone like a pujara or a kohli but he definitely is a must have in every overseas test going forward so regardless of his form form he should always play overseas so same question with shastri uh, saran you can uh, have a go and also uh, prem panikar when he was here he mentioned that you know rahane has been your best batsman overseas which we all agree and uh, you want to comment on that because uh, sanket also makes a good point because rahane was really out of form in india so we can't have double standards rohit scoring against weak batting should not be his undo rahane failing in the same weak bowling should be his inclusion so your your thoughts on both questions shall start with shastri first so i think i, I was firmly on the kumble side even when the kumble bowling team had and i think shastri was the last person we should have picked uh, as the coach of our team and he continues to reinforce my belief in that i think i mean either my understanding of what a coach should do is wrong and that a coach should only sit and be a cheerleader and say these uh, cliche things in team meetings and get everyone pumped up and maybe that's enough for a good cricket team i don't know or i just think or i'm right and that shashi is just not a strategical thinker in the manner in which coaches are supposed to be in the game of cricket so that's my basic overall view about him on the uh, rahane question actually i have two points one i think that i don't know if rahane is as great no overseas player as he ought to be let me just throw some numbers at you guys in england rahane averages 33 after five test matches with one century and two 50s okay so that's one big number his big overseas runs come from west indies where out of four test matches he averages 121 he also does reasonably well in bangladesh with 98 runs in one game it's not so much and of course there's australia where he's done well he averages Uh, but he's got a three scores over 50 in eight, in eight innings and in general i feel like you can pa- break down the numbers and actually see that rahane is a much better batsman overseas than he is at home because at home he averages 33 but is he uh, as as valuable as a kohli or 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 someone else of that caliber no is he an automatic selection based just on overseas or in overseas store especially after give the run he went through as sanket pointed out my feeling is a definite no has he shown us enough uh, in that last test match to Uh, warrant his subsequent selection in all games at least as a starting 11 in the next test match i think yes but that being said if you look at his control percentage uh, there was an article on cricket info by kartik that showed that rahane's control percentage the proportion of balls that he actually controlled in the uh, 70 odd balls he faced when he got that match changing 47 was actually lower than what rohit's was the big difference was rohit nothing with all he defended perfectly rahane was when he was not in control also he was getting some runs of edges and when he was in control he was scoring better so so if you look at all these aspects of rahane's game i've always found him a little weak on technique this has been my personal of putting him back i feel like i always feel like i fear that there'll be an edge somewhere or there's a gap between bat and pad and the ball crash into the stumps but that's my personal feeling it's just got nothing to go with it but overall i think rahane is good but i don't know if he's as good as we make him out to be even over 6 and that's my view on Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let me let me come in uh, for two minutes, and then you can give your expert analysis. Let me come in with some fanboy, uh, you know. <laughs> so, you know, the great great point, Sharan, because you know we have to keep it balanced, and you really brought some good points. So, my answer is I don't know if it's the answer you're looking for, if it's the right answer. One is the man who replaced him averages 22 or something outside of India, Rohit Sharma, 24, right? So, 24. as Mukul K7. Okay, twenty-four. Oh, brilliant. Okay, two more. So yeah, so those two runs are really valuable. But I mean, you know, you know, you know that, that's Sharma for you. And you are absolutely right about Rahane. A lot of time, I was looking at the stat books for Dravid. Dravid has his golden period when he was averaging sixty-five outside of India. But overall, is he's failed in more than one tour of Australia. His average in South Africa by Dravid standards is a pedestrian thirty-three. 
but he's great bowler great player of swing bowling in new zealand and england he's averaging close to 60s so nobody this is not to insult dravid who's my you know my cricketing idol but uh, at the same time lot of time tendulkar and kohli have created this big blueprint for their peers that no one is going to come a clear second so in that re- regard murli vijay and rahane are the ones who raise their hands given the context and even though they did not average in the 40s and 50s they played meaningful innings in a matches we saved or matches we stood tall or a match we won like at lord small example but i mean sharma will never do that i mean i shouldn't say never because we don't know the future but sharma you know that whole sanket can speak better about the lazy elegance i think uh, sharma has been technically found out against this kind of quality bowling and uh, hmm. i think rahane over sharma may not be uh, a clear cut winner but if you start if you take kohli out of the hmm. it is a clear cut winner you know because with kohli there is a clear cut winner yeah hmm. yeah rahane is the clear cut winner yeah so i mean regarding this point sharan made about rahane's technique and all i, I actually i think he made some very valid points regarding rahane's mm. technique I, i actually share the same views that i've always felt that he's probably a bit too flashy outside the off stump i mean there have been calls for you know rahane to promote uh, to be promoted number 3 because that's why he bats mm. in first class cricket for mumbai uh, and maybe pujara to drop down the order because pujara hasn't quite done well overseas uh, and it is a clear yes, i agree with that i, I don't I disagree with Puja- rahane being a better batsman than sharma i think that's completely true so let me just clarify that but go on. and he is a bad starter i think even in the 80 odd that he got at brisbane i think one of the innings that i remember in australia in 2014 he struggled really for the first for his first 20 odd runs and you can't really afford that from a top order batsman mm. i think you need to be very uh, very sure in your technique and is very precise in your footwork and i feel that rani tends to play a bit away from his body early on mm-hmm. in his innings and maybe plays a, too, a bit too many shots so yeah that's definitely uh, an issue with rani's technique i i think he was promoted by the number 3 in a couple of tests in sri lanka uh, in 2015 and mm-hmm. dammika prasad uh, troubled him and he, he dismissed him cheaply in those two test matches so i, I think i framed uh, my opinion based on those two test matches that uh, rani is better off you know batting down the order and perhaps Uh, you know, sh- per- perhaps shouldn't really be batting higher up. Uh, so, and uh, I think the, the regarding his average in England, he played a brilliant innings at Lords on an absolute green top. But when he came in to bat uh, early uh, at at Old Trafford and the Oval in the subsequent Test matches, when India were like eight for three or eight for four, something like that, uh, uh, he struggled. So. Uh, that 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 is a bit of a question mark for uh, Rahane when it comes to his technique against the moving ball. But so yeah, regarding the point about Rahane's overseas record overall, I think it's a bit unfair to say that he's only scored runs against West Indies and Bangladesh's record. I think if you look at it, it is the best for any Asian batsman that has played over twenty Test matches. Uh, outside the subcontinent he averages something like 54 he's done well everywhere except england he averages i think over 50 everywhere except england and even in england he played one of the all time great innings that i've seen from an indian batsman recently so yeah while i do think that he has some has has his issues against the moving ball uh, when when you're batting uh, early on in the innings but i think ca- coming in at number 5 i think he's definitely the man to have and uh, there's definitely no comparison between him and rohit sharma i think rahane is miles ahead and for me he is the uh, india's number 5 for for the next decade or so but rohit sharma is going to score a double century against afghanistan yeah. and you know we'll see him play a lot can i can i make a quick point on uh, on the uh, sanket's original argument of six batsmen i think he's 100% right i completely agree with that if the pitch is doing a lot 
in many cases even in the test matches we were playing the fourth seamer was i thought was and i think it makes complete sense to go with the extra batsman unless it's a flat tech uh, so i agree completely with sankit on that okay so we won't play in england i think till uh, june or july so pujara won't be no, you pujara know, is playing pujara. any cricket yeah, i think he'll be playing for yorkshire yeah. so so what's let's talk about him because i expected a lot from him and uh, as daryl kalanen said you know he had a mixed series he didn't look out of sorts for most part he fell to a couple of great deliveries and two runouts and then when he was set he played two loose shots so but i mean i don't want to cut him slack because he's one of my favorites but he did look good he did the job he you know absorbed the you know ball some shine and but you know the runs weren't there as we expected so sanket uh, you can go first Yeah, average of 17 in the series, a little bit disappointing from batsman of Pujara's caliber. I think the innings that he played in the first innings with Johannesburg was obviously far more worth than the 50 runs that they showed in the uh, scorecard. Uh, obviously, on that kind of pitch, seeing off the new ball and the fact that he batted for 170 odd deliveries and he had a very high control percentage as well for that pitch. Probably only Hashim Amla had a better control percentage. And did percentage. not cover the so first run until four balls. Yeah, yeah 170 odd deliveries. That's quite remarkable. But yeah, I think he ha- obviously played a terrific innings at Johannesburg. But I think the real disappointment for him would be that Test in Centurion being run out twice in the same Test. I think that is rather uh, unforgivable. I think, especially in Test cricket, where you don't need those quick singles and you're converting ones into twos. I mean, it's okay to play out dot deliveries in Test cricket. Take your time, and the pitch was tailor made for Pujara because it was on the slower side. There wasn't a lot of lateral movement around, and I think if he had you know settled settled in and allowed himself to play play himself in in on that surface, then I think he is someone who could have made a really big score on that surface and possibly won the Test match for India. So I think that is something that he will probably look back upon with regret because he is not someone who looks out of sorts, unlike say Rohit Sharma. I think he has the technique, and he probably doesn't have the st- strokes of a Kohli or Rahane to dominate yeah. bowlers. But he definitely has the technique to and the patience to grind grind out bowlers. And when they get tired and they start bowling loose deliveries, then he definitely has the shots to capitalize on them. So, Centurion <laughs> Test is somewhere that, is a test that I think Pujara yeah. should definitely look back upon it with a lot of regret because that was a real missed opportunity for Pujara and as well as for the Indian team to you know script a historic series win in South Africa. Yeah. No, thanks for putting some uh, nice salt on our wounds, Sanket. But yeah, good, good analogy anyway. And uh, <laughs> so, Sharan, uh, same question. But Sanket made some brilliant points about Pujara. Uh, I want to bring the Dravid comparison, which, which is something he can't escape and the fans can't escape. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about intent and strike rate. But if you look at the legendary career of the great Rahul Dravid, his overall strike rate is 42, and Pujara is close to 48 or 49. So again, my point is, we make a big deal of these things, mm-hmm. but we still use the past and glorified but when that past was present we were also criticizing that past so are we making a big deal about pujara because a lot of indians have failed in south africa i'm not giving a past but he's still i think a cornerstone that we need for kohli to flourish at number 4 Uh, yeah, I completely agree with the last point that Pujara is most important because if he soaks up some of the pressure and plays off some of the new ball, then because given our openers don't seem to score more than 25 runs on average before losing at least one wicket, we need someone else to come and soak up all the pressure. And Pujara is the guy for that. The comparison with Dravid, I think the difference, or at least what happened with Dravid was after the initial phase where he really struggled to kind of get off the mark and get going, and he was also like Pujara, very solid in defence. Dravid had that golden run that you referred to earlier, where at least his stroke making improved. He was able to time the ball better. 
that uh, hit it uh, was mostly flowing in general especially once he got in which pujara still does but i feel like pujara does not be growth like pujara in the beginning remember when he first came in, he, did, he did pretty well he got that 71 i remember at number 3 from okay and he came quickly at bangalore and uh, he should have i don't know i felt like that was what he reminded me of dravid but he also reminded me of a more complete dravid at that point but i feel like now he's not been able to go that next level with the stroke making and that's what's uh, stopping him from being great and that's a valid argument actually because i think that's something that like sushastri and kohli have probably held against pujara that he perhaps uh, you know gets a little bit bogged down even when he's well set he doesn't quite accelerate as much as he should and that's where i think dravid was you know he really changed himself and uh, really added to his repertoire of shots and he he actually transformed himself into a very good limited overs finisher he was batting at 5 and 6 and scoring uh, 50 ball 70s so yeah i think pujara definitely has a long way to go before uh, any comparisons with dravid are made no no look those comparisons i know those are not you know those are lofty comparisons but you know that's always a narrative you can't escape it right even as a fan that will be always thrown you know the, the even the name wall i mean I think the wall is again. I don't want to go there, but David didn't. You know, he doesn't want to be called the wall, and neither does Pujara. But you know, that's the world we live in. Uh, but I would say one thing. I know I'm a little big on conspiracy theory sometimes. But even in our day-to-day jobs, when the boss is, has an out for you, it's a very and that's a livelihood. It's not a fun place to go to. But uh, what a, what both of you have made a very solid point. But in between, there was a Kumble era when Pujara started scoring with little more freedom. So I think it's very tough when you know the management is really out there to get you. That's what I feel. You know the whole talk about intent when Kohli backfired. Kohli has become a comedian in these press conferences. He says one thing one day and then two days later he's saying something else. But nobody you know in the right mind would not know that it was a call out on Pujara. You know, and then everybody saying Pujara gave a master class of twenty six defensively. But then there was a call out. But again, I don't want to sound like a you know. Uh, bias Pujara fan. Pujara definitely did not deliver uh, in this Test match, so you know he should be held accountable. But I still think you know he he may have a role to play in England. Uh, let's. In fact, I have a quick question on both of you. In fact, guys, I have a quick question on to both of you on uh, what you think of uh, Kohli's captaincy because that I think we haven't touched upon, and I would love to get your views on that, especially in the Test series. Okay, I can go first. I can go first because Sanket probably will have more uh, depth for you. But definitely, what I've seen, I think uh, I'm giving you overall narrative. I think he's a very positive player, and he's very determined. He's not shy of the fight. So I think he's seeing it in a way like Jordan used to say. I know basketball is very different, but he's playing at a different level, and somehow he's asking his 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 mates to be at the same level. And that's that's why a lot of time this kind of a vision fails. because in a test match it's a very traditional environment you don't challenge those notions in a three match series and go with ambitious lineups like karun sharma and you know like bumrah and pandya have proven to be like decent you know stories but overall if he had gone with six batsmen you know he would have been in the end who can who knows he could have been lifting this trophy his his ideas are great but at the same time the way he's backing those i know it's a very generic call it's you know it's way too ambitious for me i think he has to learn the craft because not everybody's else on the same page and i think once someone can show him the mirror because he's you know he'll win it for india but he has to the belief is talking i don't think he's providing that belief to the guys because the guys are very insecure the too much you know chopping and changing cannot be good for any 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 job be it professional sportsman or be it like a you know a boardroom or you know even even gully cricket you know so sanket take it from here what i like to say is that you know i think 
Yeah, I th- you make fair points, absolutely, and I totally agree with you on that. What I would like to add is that, you know, I think uh, the the problem that I see with Virat Kohli as a captain is that he, the, there seems to be a lot of talk about him being aggressive as a captain. He definitely comes across as an aggressive personality. He's obviously a very aggressive batsman, but I'm not too sure he's actually aggressive as a captain because, I mean, I think I'll, I'll just, I mean, I don't need to go too far back. And you can just look at today's ODI as an example. He had the South African batsman on the mat with Kuldeep Yadav and Jiswendra Chahel running rings around him on a turning pitch. And suddenly he introduced this Ardik Pandya and Kedar Jadav just to get the fifth bowler out of the way, even though the innings ended, uh, eventually ended in 30, 32 overs and the bowlers uh, and the overs bowled by the fifth bowler proved to be rather re- redundant. Obviously, it didn't cost him here because uh, they were already well on top. But it's just an example of why he perhaps doesn't have the killer instinct, you know, to really attack and attack when he actually needs to be. And uh, whereas a lot of the time you see him talking about being aggressive with the bat and maybe instructing his batsmen, the likes of Murli Vijay and Chiteshwar Pujara, who are, you know, typical defensive-minded test match batsmen, asking them to, you know... Uh, Play a more play a different brand of cricket just to score runs quickly. Picking someone like Shikhar Dhawan just because he he's a left-hander, just because you want a left-right combination and you want you want an opener to score quickly. Uh, so I think these are some of the selections that really doesn't make sense. I think he seems to hold a lot of stereotypical beliefs and uh, he just tries to you know fit players uh, tries to pick players and who just fit that stereotypical mold that. Yo, okay, I need an aggressive batsman, so let me pick Dhawan. Let me pick Rohit Sharma. I, I, they even promoted Rohit Sharma to bat at number three because uh, they wanted an aggressive batsman, probably someone in the Ricky Ponting mold. So, I mean, I, I think I'm quite ashamed to say that Rohit Sharma is even gets compared to Ricky Ponting. But uh, even though they didn't make that comparison, but uh, I mean, this is these are one of the examples that uh, even the obsession with the seam bowling all around. Hardik Pandya seems to be a decent bet, but before that, they even used to invest a lot in Stuart Binney, who was just a dibbly dobbly 65 70 miles an hour medium pacer, just because he happened to bowl seam up and happened to bat a little bit. So, these obsession with bits and pieces cricketers for the sake of all rounders, and also his refusal to bowl Jadeja uh, on a turning pitch at Bangalore to the Matt Renshaw and Sean Marsh, just because they're left handers. I think these are a lot of uh, limited overs beliefs that you know carry over into test cricket. that you don't bowl left-arm spinners to uh, left-handed batsmen on flat tracks with shorter boundaries in limited overs cricket. But in test cricket, the, it's a completely different ball game where the ball is turning around. You've got men around the bat. Uh, absolutely, I think Jadeja actually has a very good record against left-handers. So, yeah. Thank you. you know, great, great analysis. So, I'll, uh, we are running out of time. So, but I'll still have one more question for you and Kohli. Uh, try to give a concise answer. Uh, I know you're a big student of the game. Have you noticed Kohli rectify his uh, mistakes sometime in sessions, in test matches? Because, you know, sometimes you are ahead of the game, sometimes you are behind of the game. And then uh, a good captain always see where it misfired and does he bring back the game? Sometimes he has, sometimes he hasn't. I think, uh, I mean, as I pointed out, that Bengaluru test where uh, Matt Reshaw and Sean March were building a partnership and he, he refused to bowl Jadija for almost an entire session, even though he was by far the best bowler on show. Ashwin was struggling for his rhythm. And then after the break, I think he introduced uh, Jadeja into the attack. And I think he got, got rid of Matt Renshaw and broke that partnership. And that proved to be the turning point in the Test match. And that kind of restricted Australia's lead to 87 and uh, kept India in the match. And obviously then Pujara and Rahane played those innings and the rest is history. So, uh, yeah, there, there have been instances, especially when you know Kohli was under uh, with Komali as the coach. They used to correct these tactical errors in between breaks. Which Sastri, I think the focus is more on the, you know, what I call the MBA stuff. More of, you know, 
what do you call the, uh, the, the yeah just just stereotypical beliefs yeah more 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 along the lines of what do you say yeah spirit of cricket and all that Shastri is about the ideas, right? You know, the future, the vision. It's not the series that matters. Yes. All right. So, you know, again, a great conversation. So, let's end this with, uh, you know, let's give Virat Kohli his due as a batsman. You know, he's a chasing machine. You know, he keeps delivering and, you know, it's becoming a habit. 3300s. Could we see the Federer Sampras, you know, thing here happen when Sampras was gone and Federer broke the record eight years later? It's because, uh, uh, Tendulkar's 4900s don't look, you know, a safe bed anymore. Sharon? I don't think they look a safe bed at all. Uh, and Barikoli having an injury or a massive slump in form, which I don't see happening given the way he's batting and given how solid his technique is. Uh, I I think he'll overtake uh, Tendulkar at least in the one-day game. The test record is going to be harder to break, especially the overall record of 100 centuries. But uh, Kohli is just batting at a completely different level at this point. I mean, I saw him at the test. I also saw him at 143 in Delhi, in the Delhi test match when the Sri Lankan bowlers were vomiting because of the pollution. But the way he was batting, I mean, I have I watched some test cricket before. In the season, a lot of test in I haven't seen this kind of mastery over uh, the game. And I think even in South Africa, there were phases where, uh, especially during that 150, where he just seemed uh, impossible to get out. And I think in the one-day game, he's... He's better than anyone I've seen. I have to say it. Uh, and uh, I see Stendulkar's record in a big threat right now. Yeah, I think his record will definitely get overhauled because, I mean, he's just 1600s away and the rate at which he's scoring will probably break it in the next three or, f- uh, three or four years or so. So, uh, yeah, definitely Tendulkar's ODI record definitely doesn't uh, seems to be in a lot of threat. I think he'll probably just overhaul it by quarter margin, maybe 6500s. 60, never know. 6500 wow all right so on that note uh, let's end this chat and you know we'll revisit you know another episode in maybe a week or more's time and hopefully we'll have more of a narrative of the india south africa and then we can talk about australia south africa test series coming up so thank you very much guys i know it's late night in india go get some sleep and i'll uh, release a copy of this uh, maybe in few hours and then you can share it with your audiences thanks thanks for having us thanks for having us Thank you so much, Sakib. Yeah, thanks a lot.